0: Are you ready for change?
1: Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait!
0: Okay now, from the beginning.
1: Hit it, boys.
0: You're listening to the Mr. Change Agent Podcast with your host, Ron Ovid, pastor, recovery coach, author and pastoral counselor, and creator of emotional relearning. We have embarked on a series talking about anxiety. And worry. And I know a lot of us deal with those issues. A lot of listeners are dealing with those issues. And it's a scary subject. I know a lot of people with anxiety and worry, they don't like to talk about it. It's like, don't bother me with it. I I don't want to talk about it. I'm too upset. Who can you trust? But I think by now, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know Ron well enough. I think you trust him. You can tell by the stories he shares, the experiences he's had, that he's sincere and that changing lives is what he's all about because he represents a God that changes lives. And he's been through a lot of this himself and he shares that openly. So even if you don't want to talk about it, I'd ask you to listen to it today. Listen to it this first time, then perhaps listen to it again and then share it with others. I hope and our thoughts are that you would join us for this next 15-20 minutes and let's see if we can change some lives and if we can focus on our anxiety and worry. And Ron, with that, you know you talked about that last time, but can you go into a little more depth? I think there's a lot of people here that want to hear more. You started talking about how the brain works and and you know I think the last thing anyone with anxiety and fear wants to face is that number one they're alone or that they're weird and unique. Mm-hmm. And I think I've sensed through what you're talking is that you're not alone, and it's not weird and unique, and you're explaining some of the thought behind it, how it happens, why it happens. Ron, just take it over, and why don't you talk some more from your heart about anxiety on this, the Mr. Change Agent Podcast.
1: Well, you know, anxiety is something I lived with uh, all my life. Uh, even when I started ministry at 20 years old, I I carried it on. When I was young, I had it. Uh, I had different times when I'd dissociate and uh, faint, and I'd have things that I was scared about. And I really tried. I mean, I really tried. And and uh, that's probably why I gravitated towards psychology. I was looking for some answers. I had found faith, and that was a great help to me. And and so combining psychology and faith has always been my life's ambition where i could help others um, and i know what it's like to as you get older and you you feel anxious all the time I, you do feel like well what's wrong and uh, for me now for me i was always afraid that uh, someone would find something terribly wrong with me and i'd be put away or locked away or i you know and it just it was out- outrageous you know <laughs> the kind of fear i had but, uh, you know, through the things that we teach here and other things, you know, I was able to overcome this and, and work through that, those kind of things. So let me, let me just kind of go into a little bit about anxiety and worry again. And I want you to, you know, if it starts to bother you, just, you know, take a nice, not a quick breath, but a nice, you know, let it out. And then just take a nice breath in. Hold it and then... Let it out and just stick with it here. You know, put it on, uh, relax. Uh, and so let's talk. First, there's normal anxiety, and that protects us from danger. I mean, it, we, it works with our alarm system to protect us. You know, we're careful walking across the street. Don't take candy from a stranger, right? We were always taught that one. The trouble comes in when we don't want to cross the street. I worked with someone uh, that was so afraid they didn't want to cross the street. You know, they, they stayed home. Uh, and there was different reasons for that, but it became big pervasive fear, right? And then there's heightened anxiety. And that's the form of dread, terror, unthinkable consequences. These have the roots in our childhood trauma. Now unfortunately, as a child, well, we didn't have the wherewithal to protect ourselves and find a solution. So because of the trauma, these awfulized beliefs stay with us. What starts to be in a sensitive awareness, you know, careful swimming in the deep, you know, (laughs) wash your hands before you eat. Don't stay out after dark. If surrounded by traumatic events in a child's mind can become heightened to a dysfunctional level. I got to the place where, you know, I was afraid to go in the water. Why? Because our mother was afraid to go into the water. She had been burned when she was a child and never learned to swim. And it wasn't that she was so freaked out about it, but somewhere I picked up that. And I'll never forget, even when I was older, and my one son must have been around 11, maybe 12, uh, he'd be in the bathroom, right? And I was always worried when they're in there by themselves in the tub, afraid they're going to drown, right? And so I remember he was in there, and it, it was what I thought was longer than it should be. So I knocked on the door, and he didn't answer. So I knocked again, he didn't answer. So I opened the door, kind of shoved the door open, right? Went in there, and the curtains were closed. I put the curtains back, and he was underwater. So I grabbed him, but the only thing I could is hair. He had long hair, and he goes, whoa, whoa, What?" you know? And he had been underwater trying to see how long he could hold his breath. <laughs> Well, but see, that was way beyond uh, a regular fear of don't don't get drowned in the water, right? And yet that carried with me. See, from childhood, I carried it on, even into adulthood. So I had to, you know, work on that. And so there's a heightened anxiety. And and it can start sometimes as a sense of a sensitive awareness, but it, it grows out of proportion. So what does a child do when a trauma comes? They run or they hide. They fight, flight. Now, what worked for me in the water when I was younger, as far as my own personal fear of water, is that I decided I would start learning to swim by walking in the water, and pushing myself up and seeing if I could float and kind of self-teaching. And so later, of course, decades later, whatever, I found out that was systematic desensitization, you know, and I started doing that with a lot of my phobias, a lot of my fears. And so a lot of times we can do that we can train retrain ourselves some of the kind of heightened anxiety would be phobias obsessive compulsive disorder social anxiety post traumatic stress disorder and then there's worry so as we grow we don't want to face the dread so we continue to cope and this coping is what we call worry it uh, usually consider a more generalized anxiety worry is our way of protecting us from anxiety but it doesn't solve the problem it perpetuates the abnormal anxiety Worry is a defense mechanism. It's a way to keep from the impending dread. However, worry becomes an obsessive chronic condition, and millions of people worry all the time. It robs us of our joy. Worry is a thief. And we need to remember that the majority of things that we don't worry about will never happen. And I had to fight that. I had to fight that. And remember and sometimes I would just say okay, I'm not gonna worry about it today. I'm gonna trust God, I'm gonna you know, if it's still that important, I'll think about it Monday and I'd take the weekend off, you know, if I mm-hmm. could. And I'd learn. Because see here's what's important. Some of it comes from cognitive things that we believe. Others comes from the amygdala and the amygdala has been trained to react. It, it, we see triggers, and it reacts. And the thing is, we can't train our amygdala by talking to it. We can't go, hey, 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 you, listen. What are you doing? Stop it. Well you just stop it? It doesn't hear us. <laughs> Instead, it learns from experience. The way we retrain our amygdala is by not worrying. By having a period of time when that trigger didn't offend us, when it didn't scare us, and that's chalk up one for the good guys, right? Mm-hmm. Then it happens again, chalk up two, and pretty soon that prefrontal cortex works to, works together. I'll give you an example. I was scared to go to the basement, right? And it's dark down there, and so Dad decided, you know, to take me down to look. I'll show you. There's nothing there, and so he took me by the hand and walked me through the basement. And that was great. But even as a young kid, I said, said to myself, I remember saying, well, sure, there's no monster going to come out when you're here. <laughs> you know, no monster was going to face my dad. You know, uh, you know, it's when I'm down there by myself, right? Well, one time I go down there, and this is after a while now. I'm older now, and I, and I still got some roots of these, and I'm retraining myself to overcome these things. It, it's a process. One time, I'll never forget, I go down there and I, I know it was someone. I saw it. And see, the, the amygdala works faster than the prefrontal cortex. It works in milliseconds. So all of a sudden, my alarm's off. But I was training myself not to just run. Stay there, stay there. Well, soon, my eyes caught that it was a silhouette of my mother's dress hanging on a, on a rod. And so the prefrontal cortex then came in and said, okay, calm down calm down. But a lot of times we don't give ourselves that chance. Saying oh there's nothing down there, there's nothing down there, there's nothing down there, it wouldn't have done a thing. I had to prove it to myself. And so by waiting a little longer, allowing that prefrontal cortex to make an assessment not just reacting, they worked together. And that's one of the things we can start doing is is allowing ourselves enough time wait for it, wait for it deep breathe, relax Wait for and let your prefrontal cortex start analyzing and see if you can't come to a better solution and find out why you're worrying. And so uh, that's one thing that really helped me. Now, worry often disguises itself as control, but in actuality, it can be manifested as people-pleasing, perfectionism, procrastination, superstitions. You know, these are things that really are forms of worrying. It becomes this continuous stress. So what are some hallmarks of worry and anxiety? Well, predicting danger, awfulizing outcomes, hyper-control over circumstances, and avoidance or escapes. And one way to overcome it is to know that you're doing this. And here again, calm the amygdala down, breathe, relax. You're aware that you're, you know, for example, predicting danger. Now relax, hang in there, don't panic, ask yourself some questions. Okay, analyze it, analyze it. You're giving yourself time now to get that prefrontal cortex involved. And you're starting to figure out, and the longer you wait, of course, the amygdala is learning, well, maybe there isn't any danger here. And so you soon find that that panic will start to dissipate, and you'll start to think more rationally.
0: Okay, let, let me say this then. So you're talking about the irrational fears that we have. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not, everything's perfectly fine with being vigilant, aware of our circumstances, don't put your hand in the fire, those kinds of things. So if there's legitimate danger, Will Robinson, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about those things that haven't even happened yet, and we assume it's going to be that way. We're afraid of it before we even get there. We dread about it, and it's become this hidden monster that we really haven't ever defined. We just think it's there all the time, and you're saying face those. You're saying look at the reality of those and let your brain really analyze it and quit reacting uh, is this what you're talking about? Stop. Slow down your reaction time.
1: Yes. Yeah. When you're in the present moment, you know. If you're in here again, the best time to do that is after the fact. You know. I mean, here you've had an episode. Go back, relax, breathe, think through it. What just happened? What okay. just happened? That's good. You know. That's
0: good advice. So, see, so it just happened. You just had a. A little bit of a panic attack, or you're worried about something, and you didn't do something because you were too afraid. Mm-hmm. Then you sit there, and say, "Okay, wh- what just happened? Why did I do? Why didn't I do that? What's right. really Still going
1: on?" now that's hard to do because usually we berate ourselves. Usually we go into all kinds of God, I can't believe it. You know, we start shaming ourselves, and we start, you know, everything else. If we're, uh, you know, we'll find some way to escape. If if chemistry happens to be our way of escape, we'll go get drunk, or we'll do You know, so it's better if we say, ah, gone, you know, I shouldn't have done that. What happened? And we can start to analyze. And what I like to do sometimes is relive it. I call it relive. There's pre-live and relive. Pre-live is before something, you know, rehearse. You know, see what it feels like. Feel what your body's going to react and picture yourself overcoming it. Yeah, it's being proactive. The other way is to relive it. And relive it, and and this time, what would it feel like if you waited on that and you actually did it, you know? So it's this kind of systematic desensitization where, you know, sort of like you would with snake phobia, right? You don't just throw your hand in a snake pit, you know, (laughs) you think about it first, sweat bullets, you know, then you uh, look at a picture for a second, sweat bullets, and then uh, you uh, say that you're going to go to the biology department, sweat bullets, then you go to the school and you're really sweating. (laughs) Then you go down the hallway and you're sweating. Next, you go to the door, you know, then you step in the door, then you go within 50 feet of the (laughs) the case, then you go 10, you know, then you go to the top of the case, then you pull the top off, you really sweat. <laughs> yeah. Then you put your hand in and out, and then you put it in. and Then you touch the snake, you know. So I mean, these are over a period of time. And, and
0: you're talking about a non-dangerous snake. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, right. No,
1: obviously, a uh, fear of spiders would be similar. Non-poisonous spiders, you wouldn't yeah. play with a black widow, you know. So, but these systematic desensitization is a lot of ways that you can get rid of some of those fears, and and in a sense, that's what you're doing here okay, what, had, what just happened? And so, you know, what we want to do, and we can do this in the next one, is talk about more specific ways that we can overcome some of this worry about predicting danger, awfulizing outcomes, you know, hyper-control of our circumstances. And, and here's the thing. Worry is a habit. That started setting me free. When I realized it was a habit, I thought, well, gee, maybe I can develop another habit. Anxiety is a habit. The other thing, it's addictive. It can become our normal. It, we can get used to it. It feeds us, you know. Have you ever met a victim? You know, someone that's just a chronic victim? Oh, my goodness. You know, it's hard to talk to them. It's hard to get them out of that victim role because there, there's gain. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what are we gaining? Even from anxiety, what are we gaining? And there is a comes a period of time when we can not gain things from our anxiety we don't have to face things it's an excuse maybe for not doing something it gets a little more complicated than that but I think I think our listeners know what I'm talking about what am I gaining from this is there something I'm gaining and are there other ways to gain that and so we'll talk more at the next podcast about some ways to overcome this
0: this is a lot to digest, Ron, and this is fantastic. It's really, really something. I'm sitting here just as uh, uh, manning the microphone and such, and just uh, mes- mesmerized by by all of this information, and I'm sure the audience is as well. So look, there's a lot of material Ron's put out, and, and you need to uh, be aware of it. And uh, you can go to YouTube, and there's two YouTube channels you should look up. One is called Mr. Change Agent. And you just basically type that in, Mr. Change Agent, and then an icon will come up. And uh, you go ahead and click on that, and you'll be right to the page. And you'll see all types of videos and audios that you can watch and listen to and systematically go through and learn a lot about yourself and how the brain works and and just fantastic stuff. And also, empowerforliving.com, empowerforliving.com forward slash resources. And that will show you a lot of material. And then the books he has on Amazon, just type in Ronald O-V-I-T-T, and you'll see the myriad of books that he has there, too. So thank you for joining us. Make sure that you like this. Make sure that you subscribe. Tell others about it. And join us next time for another Mr. Change Agent podcast. (laughs)